My name is Pranam Thakur and this is Embrace Your Lazy. This podcast will turn your dreams into reality by helping you realize that we are lazy and perfect human beings and by teaching you habits to use laziness to your advantage. Today on the show, we have Ahmed Saeed. We talk about the journey from his journey from Egypt to barely scraping by to the advice he has for others. Now before we start, I just want to say stay till the end where we give you the takeaways from this interview you can apply to your life today. Please consider subscribing, writing a review, and letting me know what you think. Without further ado, here's Abed. Um, oh, I was in a college of engineering, Cairo University, and I was electrical engineering back then. And I was a sophomore. Okay. And um, I really like. I didn't really enjoy uh, school back there. I think um, uh, it was really packed classes. Um, I didn't like the environment. My GPA also was really bad. Um, like I screwed my my whole college years uh, in my older college. I really screwed it. I didn't really care about school much. I was so confident. Like after my high school, I was like one of the top ranked in my high school. And then after once I started college. I was way too careless. Uh, I felt like, okay, I got an engineering school. That's it. Life is done for me, and uh, everything will be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was very. Um, I, did, I was not. I was not responsible at all. Um, so yeah, that screwed my GP a lot. My GP was like 2.5 or something, and um, that's that was one of the reasons I always wanted to like go somewhere. Uh, but the bigger reason I would say is the political instability. Okay. Uh, because at the same like year um, that we had revolution in Egypt and then uh, the country became unstable in terms of economics, in terms of like government and everything. And um, I didn't really feel like secure about what my future would look like in the next five, ten years. So I was like kind of frustrated with the school and with my progress in academics. And also I was frustrated with, with the country itself. So I, I I had to figure out a way to to leave the country. Um, luckily, I was already a citizen, like American citizen, through my dad. So okay. yeah, that's one of the things that make it easy for me to come here. So yeah, that, so I didn't have like to go through a visa or anything like that. But um, I think the harder part is how to convince my family to send me here. And give me pocket money to start like surviving with. That that was I think <laughs> the biggest challenge, not the travel. It's just how right. to convince my parents to do that. Right. So what I did, um, I told my dad I want to sign up for UCLA classes, and this I, I kept telling him about UCLA, it's a prestigious school, one of top ranked, blah blah blah, and I want to do summer classes there. So once I finish my summer classes, I will come back to Egypt and find a good job with a high salary because I got classes from UCLA to be good on my resume and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, luckily, my dad believed me, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, I convinced him, and he saw the website, he checked out the school, and he was like really happy that I, I'm, I'm really like, oh my, I think about myself, I think about my future, he was really happy that I'm, I'm thinking like that, but he didn't know that I'm doing this as a way to come to America, not just, not to go to UCLA at all, that was not even my goal. So UCLA was like, it was like, uh, temporary, it's like my exit from Egypt, that's it. Huh. Which was like um, I wouldn't say it's a huh. So so what so you you said you're going to UCLA, right? You to and then yeah. let and then after you came here, right? What 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 did you do after? Did you still take those classes at UCLA or? No, I, I dropped them. Okay. I dropped them and I refunded them. 
and then you started working here taking classes at a community college oh no that after i dropped you at ucla and I, my dad already paid for the dorm so i didn't have a i didn't have a problem finding a place to stay until end of august because the dorm was covered until end of august Ah, so okay. that's why that's how I met Vivek. By the way, I met him in the dorm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, I think until end of August, um, like I, w I was in the dorm, so that was fine. But after that, um, I had to leave because the dorm was done. And the problem is, I didn't have any place to to live in. I didn't have like anything, and my pocket money was about to run out. So I I started looking for jobs. I think my English was not good to pass a job interview. I really, I, I think, I used to, like, every day, 10 copies of my resume, go every single food place, drinks place, Beverly Hills, downtown, LA, everywhere. I apply every day for 10 different places, I go to Craigslist, indeed, simply hired, and some of them ignores me because I don't have any experience with the job I'm applying for. Like, I don't have any experience at all with any job in my whole life. I never worked it before. And even the ones who asked to interview me, they figured out that I have no experience and my English itself was not good to deal with customers. Wow. So that like, like cost me like a whole month of not having an income. So I, I was in trouble with money because I couldn't find a job and I get, I get rejected from interviews and I didn't have to place to stay in. So what I did, um, I applied for a credit card. And when I applied for credit card, I got accepted because like I have a citizenship, I have a social security number. So I had $600 on my credit card. So this is the only source of money that I could use, plus few cash left over for my pocket money. So what I did, because I need to do some cash to pay my first rent for the first month, I withdrew cash from my credit card, which had like 30% interest, which is really bad. Yeah. But that's the only way to pay rent. So I was drawing cash from my credit card and paid a little rent. I shared a room with five more people I met on campus from a group called the MSA. If you heard of the Muslim Student Association, yes, I have. Yeah, not sure if you. Yeah, so uh, I like I I joined them so I can take advantage of like the services they offer, and um, they had like they looked some group of them were looking for a roommate and for a cheap price because they were like five in one bedroom. It was really miserable, but that was the only thing I could afford. So I joined them from the credit card money. And then during that month, I kept looking for a job while I was living there. And that was the only money I had was the credit card money. I kept looking and then I think after uh, six weeks, yeah, um, I had an interview with McDonald's and they hired me quickly because um, they were looking for someone to work in the kitchen. Okay. Which uh, does not require any English or anything like, or no customer service, no experiences needed except you need to know how to carry stuff, how to flip burgers, how to do the fries, which they taught me in the first week. So well, that me, was the first me, job. Let me <laughs> let me let me ask you really quick. So, at, what happened with your with your parents with your dad? I mean, did, they obviously found out, right? That. Oh yeah yeah okay I, I, yeah sorry I I didn't I didn't uh, I forgot to mention that part. Okay, so damn. <laughs> For uh, my parents, they figured out after the third week. Yeah, oh, it was wow. after uh, I think yeah after the third week when my sister snitched on me, because I told my yeah. sister, yeah, like my sister like she was my like secret keeper, but until I told them what I'm doing, she was like, no, I I can't keep that. I have to tell them. You're like, for her, I was like destroying myself. 
losing my future. That's that's for that's also their opinion. Like I'm in America and different country, different culture. I'm gonna spoil myself with drugs and drinks and girls. You know that's how we see America over there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <that's, laughs> literally. So he told me, oh, Ahmed, you have you're, you have a, you have a, like you're enrolled in a prestigious school in Egypt. Finish your degree in Egypt, but don't do that to yourself. And yeah, and she snitched on me. And uh, yeah, my parents knew. They kept contacting me. I tried to avoid replying to them, but. I had to Skype call with them at some point, and then I told them what I'm doing, and uh, my dad stopped talking to me, and my mom, my mom was like, she cried for a long time because she's not gonna see me again for a while, and my dad stopped contacting me. He refused to help me with any financial stuff, so I can, so I can be, be broke and then come back to Egypt when I'm broke. Yeah, the, that was like kind of punishment, but. Um, I really ignored uh, everything and I kept looking for a job here, regardless of what they felt. Because I, I felt like like they, do, they don't really understand the situations much. They think uh, using their emotions more than like what is practically on the ground. Like practicality requires me to live here, not in Egypt. So, but, so your drive was really about, you know, the fact that in uh, you believe that in America, um, you're just going to do better because you'll be able to kind of uh, know what to do and erase your mistakes that you made at your university in Egypt? Yes, exactly. And actually, what drives me more is I had no options here. Like here, if I didn't work, if I didn't do well, I'll be broken, homeless. Like, I'm going to see the consequences right away. Nobody will, will like protect me. Like In Egypt, I had my parents to... If I did any mistakes, if I'm broke, somebody will take care of me over there. But here, like I have like instant punishment for any mistake I do. That was, I think, one of the biggest things that keeps me was kept me moving on. It's like there's no way I can procrastinate. It's gonna harm me on the spot. Right. You have no you have no safety net here. Correct. Until now, actually, it's not just in the beginning. It's every day. There's no safety net. Um, but that was the biggest thing that kept me not like avoiding doing mistakes. I was very, very so, cautious. So, uh, mm-hmm. Did it get better after you uh, got that first job at McDonald's? Was that- it got better, but I hated the job. The job was like, it was painful for me because um, I think uh, my coworkers, uh, they didn't like me because where I came from, I was the only non-Spanish speaker among them. Oh. So uh, they didn't welcome that. I, they also sp- spoke in Spanish, they didn't speak in English. I think, uh, I don't recall any of my kitchen co-workers, they spoke English, they all speak Spanish, and I didn't understand the Spanish, and I know some English, but I couldn't communicate with them, so they really thought I'm dumb or something, and uh, another co-worker, he, he knows my name is Ahmed, so he used to make fun of my, like, my name is like a Muslim name, I came from Arab, I'm Arab, I, uh, we are we live in desert, we, we ride camels and shit like that, so, yeah, I had a hard time. Uh, with my co-workers, even with my manager herself. So I hated the job. It was really, and physically, it was really physically tiring. The pay was really, really bad. So yeah, I hated the job, but it was a survival. So I couldn't do anything else. <clears throat> it was like, I couldn't I couldn't cook. I didn't know how to cook. So I used to keep saving money so I can eat in dining hall for a long time. So I don't have to eat any time in the whole day. So I used to go like in the breakfast and eat a lot so I don't have to eat again the whole day. So, so I can have, save money. You'd, you'd have one meal a day. Yeah, it was a breakfast actually. 
I used to eat like way too much, so I don't have to eat lunch or dinner, and in that case I save money. And that worked. Like you didn't get you didn't, you you weren't like hungry and tired and all that stuff. Say it again. You weren't hungry or tired um, doing that. Well, I got, but it, it worked well for me because, um, like for example, when I worked in McDonald's, I used to like eat quick snacks. But like if you work there, you can eat like fries easily. You can you can just eat uh, fries. Yeah. As they give you like good discount on like um, nuggets and stuff, so I used to survive on these things. But I used to rely on McDonald's for quick snacks to fill me up quickly. I used to get Coke without don't have to pay for it, so that helped me not to get hungry. Yeah, so that that was I think that was a good thing about McDonald's. Uh, I could like eat some little things and fills me up quickly. Yeah. Third thing must be: Were you taking classes at the same time as working at Coffee Bean? Coffee Bean, yes, but not McDonald's. But not I was, McDonald's, okay. I was working Coffee Bean like 30 hours, and I was full-time in uh, SMC. I was doing both. Oh, wow. Okay, so you yeah. were probably like super busy. You probably got like very little sleep. Oh, yeah. I used to wake up every day at 4 a.m. That's because uh, I, I opened the store. That was my shift. Oh, wow. And then you had so, classes, you had class was, after that? Yeah. I used to take like a half an hour nap or 45 minutes nap and then go to my class. I used to drink so much coffee because if you work in coffee bean, you get coffee for free. I used to drink so much coffee so I don't have to like to improve in the middle of the day. I, I wanted to keep on moving on and I had to drink so much coffee, like five, six cups a day so I can go to my classes and do well in my classes. It really like affected my health. I was I got out skinnier, my eyes was tired and but it was tough. But yeah, that's how I, I handled it. Just too much coffee. It was it was painful. Wow. Yeah, that sounds that sounds very painful. So you these were engineering classes, right? And they they the uh your work at Egypt didn't transfer over to this community no, college at all. I had to start from scratch if I want to transfer. Oh wow! So you, so you were taking engineering classes. You were taking math and physics and stuff like that. Correct. My first semester was calculus. Okay. I was taking car so class you... while working in Coffee Bean, yeah. <laughs> I remember that class. <laughs> so in Coffee Bean. But uh, during that time, Coffee Bean that I worked in, it was about to get closed because another Starbucks opened and our business was so slow. So they were like telling us that they're going to lay us off because Starbucks opened and took most of our business. Oh, wow. So yeah. it was tough for me because I was losing my job and this is the job I was surviving on. So, like, I was good at math uh, when I was in SMC. Uh, I was, like, done with my first calculus class, and I did pretty well. And also, like, in Egypt, I did a lot of math classes. So I was pretty good in math compared to other community college students. So while, like, oh, Coffee Bean was about to get in close, so I looked for a on-campus job. So I went everywhere on campus, applied to get a job, maybe in the bookstore, in the library, in the cafeteria, and... It was very competitive. Everyone on campus want to work on campus, so everyone was applying. So luckily, I went to the math lab, and then I talked to the boss over there. I told her I'm looking for a job. I'm about like to get laid off. Do you have? I can do anything for math. I can help you with anything. She told me, yeah, actually, we're hiring math tutors. Uh, do you know math? Can you do math? I said, yeah, you can test me. She tested me. I did well, and then she interviewed me. I did well, and uh, I did particularly well in explaining uh, big problems in a very, very layman terms. And she really liked that. That's why she hired me mainly. I could like, she gave me like a hard pre-calc problem. I break it down 
in in terms of like limit terms I thought, okay imagine i have like instead of like using algebra xyz and this plus this i was like okay think about this way if i give you like two dollars and then you do this with this two dollars how much money you have said, oh okay i like this approach she liked that when i connect um math problems to entities or physical objects we see like daily so she really enjoyed that way of explaining problems so she hired me because of that and i was very very patient um, i was not like i don't lose my temper quickly if somebody doesn't understand something that was a big bonus to get the job is like you have to be extremely patient because the students a lot of them have a hard time with math so you have to be very very patient and you have to expect very very like Easy question that it sounds easy for you. You might think they are dumb, but no, they are just they are just missing the foundation. So you have to be extremely patient when you teach those students. So I think that was the other reason I got hired. Uh, but yeah, so I was hired in the math lab, and that's where I started working. That was like the beginning of my career in math teaching. Um, but at the same time, I had HackCC to worry about. But at least I, I found other source of income. So it was like less painful than before. Yeah, that's yeah. That I feel like tutoring <laughs> is a good um, um, it's it's a good job in terms of it's a little bit more flexible, right? It was a lot more flexible and it was physically it was a lot more comfortable. Right. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. you probably had more of a unique advantage as a tutor than you would anywhere else. Yeah. Exactly. Because anywhere else you do the same thing everyone can do, like you can pour the coffee, you can do the tea, it's just physical thing that anyone can do. But I think um, teaching math, I think showed like some skills that I didn't know I had. I, I, I never like thought I'm good at explaining stuff. So that it, it made me stand out quickly. I, like that made me like get promoted really, really quickly compared to my other like other um, co-workers who stayed in the same position. Whereas I jumped the ladder and I became faculty staff within two years. So these are skills I, I never discovered or realized I have until I did the job itself. Uh, That's but, awesome. So what do you what do you uh, what are you working on these days? So you, you um, HackCC was mm. obviously a um, success. We we you know we <laughs> we talked about that at the in and out and. And um and stuff, but so, yeah. so it worked out for you. But what are you working on these days? Well, now I'm finishing my last semester SMC. Um, I'm, I have to take linear algebra class and stats class, and I'm taking the, the structure class. But I already applied to transfer. That's my last semester, and I'm gonna start a new school next fall. So I think that will be a new chapter for me because now I finished my first chapter, which is finishing community college which was, uh, I think, was very painful for me to take that much English classes. I, really, I suffered a lot on the English classes more than any other class. But yeah, now I... I imagine. Yeah, but it helped me a lot to, to be able to write English well and be fluent in English at least. <laughs> uh, but I think the, the, my, like, I, when I divided my goals here in America, my first goal is to finish community college. And uh, that was my priority. And now I'm almost done with it. So I feel pretty accomplished, even though I could have done it in a shorter time. But I think my my conditions or the, the things I've been through didn't make it easy for me. So, you know, it's not always perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're 
one of your first big goals um, mm-hmm. will be completed very soon. Yeah, that's uh, this semester. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, so I'm... Mm-hmm. So, so, so huh? Vivek kind of mentioned to me, um, I mean, he kind of mentioned, you, you know, what we kind of talked about, but, but what he specifically kind of honed in on that he really admires is the fact that you have like a tenacity, right? Because I think many people in situations similar to yours may have given up at one point or another and gone back to Egypt or not follow through on finishing community college and transferring and, you know, having the ideal career that they want to have. So I don't know if you have an answer to this question, but where, I guess, where do you get that motivation ability to keep going to persevere? Even if like, you know, like you said, there were many times when it was incredibly difficult and, and rough. Um, I, I think, um, the things that makes me move forward, I think is like, I have nothing to lose. Basically. I think that was always, um, the thing that keep like buzzing in my head is like, I don't have anything to lose. Like, for example, I remember when I started HackCC, all my teammates didn't want to do the, to start it because it was about their GPA. Like it was really hard for me to find someone to join me and to do like, work with me to get sponsorship and to start the event itself. Everyone was so worried about their like GPAs, about school. And I didn't really think that way. And I, I thought like, I know GPA is important, but I never really thought that if I got 3.7 or 3.5, it was not a big deal for me. I don't think it was a big loss compared to the experience I will be getting if the event worked out. Um, well, I, I'll give credit this thought process to, um, like, uh, so, sorry, I need to blow my nose one second. Sure. <clears throat> so, uh, I think th- the main thing that makes me n- not to worry about any other risks is, okay, like, I did the hardest part is like coming here and surviving here. So that makes everything else look a lot simpler. Uh, whether to start hack CC, whether um, to not give up at some point, it's just because I think the, the bottleneck already been through it. So whatever will come after that, for me, I didn't really like think about it much. I thought like okay, nothing to lose. I already did the hardest part that I was worried about. Uh, I was like in danger of being homeless, in danger of being broke, but I, I could work all these things out. So why not start a, like HackCC, for example? Um, like I, I, I approached everything with the same mentality. It's like I don't have anything to lose. Every time I could work it out by way or another. And that's how I think about everything else. Um, so I think resilience, which I really think is the most important trait I, I still carry with me. Um, will come by, let's say, I think experience when you keep like, okay, let's say you, you did, you've been through a hardship. What was the outcome of this hardship? If a hardship didn't make you like a lot stronger, then it was like, it was a waste of time. Like hardship, you should come out, come up, come out of it with something. And uh, for me, it, like, uh, it made me a lot, a lot more resilient than I have tendency to anything else. So, um, um, yeah, and um, that's how I approach every single hardship I have. Is 
There's I have like nothing to lose. There's not nothing much to worry about to lose. So resilience, um, you're saying, is almost kind of like a like a muscle that you have to go. You know, you learn more um, if you see it the right way. You learn more from your hardships, and it gets easier to be more and more resilient after you um, do more and more things and get through more and more things. Correct. Um, yeah, I think the first time I was like kind of really broke, like in terms of my ego, and I felt like my ego was broke, and I like I was like felt really hurt in my in my like in my confidence. Is when I got fired from my first job was with McDonald's. That really like it made me really question my my ability to survive in America. It's just because I got fired from my first job. But when you look at the big picture, is like is so many people get laid off and get fired and even if I got if I became homeless homeless they don't die they, they survive like homeless still survive even if I became homeless at some point after getting fired it was not really scary for me because I'm not gonna die of hunger if I'm homeless homeless still survive I dealt with homeless people when I was in McDonald's and they survive they figure things out uh, you don't like you don't just sit and die you always have to figure things out so uh, I think when I got fired from McDonald's, I, I felt like, oh my god, that's the end, but uh, two weeks after, I got another job. And then like, I looked back, I was like, oh my god, I thought it was the end, but it was it worked out quickly, and now I have another job, a better job. And the same thing, every time when I have a hardship, I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember this hardship when I have it, oh, and it worked out, I was so worried, but no, it's just, it's like imagination, but no, it, it, it always worked out by way or another. And that created its its compound compound interest you get. You always get more resilient, more resilient, more by every single experience. You're not born like that. So yeah, I think um, I give credit the most for the risk of coming here by myself. That created the the basic foundation to not to fear risks, and everything else came after that. That's yeah. That's. <laughs> That's uh, um, really good advice. So I just have a couple more questions for you, like one or two more questions, and I'll, I'll let you go off. Um, mm -hmm. More kind of general questions. Um, and, and so the first that I kind of wanted to ask you is, you know, where, well, where do you get inspired if you get inspired? Are they people you look up to or are they, you know, books or movies or podcasts that, that inspire you? Um. Well, I think one of the part, one of the things I I really like, I, I don't follow much is the bio or like other people because, for example, let's say um, Mark Zuckerberg, some people think him is inspiring and everything, but for me it's hard to be inspired by him because I don't know what was the resources he had, what what is the details of every single thing he had to go through. I'm not aware of these things. Uh, like it's hard for me to get inspired by someone I never met and dealt with in person. It's something like pers for me, like it's hard for me to understand that part. Unless I know someone in person, I, I see myself, how did he handle problems, how did he go through it, then I get inspired by a person like that. But public figures, um, I don't think I ever get uh, got inspired by them for that reason. I don't know what it, what is everything happening in details. Um, so how do I get inspired? I don't really like, I don't really like think I have a role model or a person that I keep looking forward to. I don't think uh, it works for me. I, I do whatever I like, whatever I enjoy, whatever I, 
it makes me happy I just follow it I, I, I don't really think I should like follow other people's steps because when I tried to follow it in Egypt it screwed me and, um, and now it's my second chance to build my my goals or my passion from scratch I think the one thing that this whole interview personifies is perseverance. It's not going to be easy, whatever path you're on, but it's the stubbornness to succeed and the realization that you don't have much to lose that will get you to where you need to go. And I think the best way to do that is to build the habits that will get you there. So on the bad days, you keep working towards your passions and your goals. If you want to learn how to build these types of lazy habits to actually make them stick, or other common ones such as meditation and exercising, check out my free class on creating lazy habits that stick at embraceyourlazy.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.